What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. My name is Vinayak Swaroop, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Aiden and Neil. How are we doing? Couldn't be any better, dude. Could not be any better. Cade Cunningham is going absolutely dummy. And the Pistons are starting to compete, man. I mean, well, obviously, we'll get into that. So I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, it could not be going any better, I think, for Pistons. Yeah, yeah, we getting through. We getting through it. I mean, Cade been going dummy. Sadiq looked like he's getting back into his groove after a sophomore slump kind of start. Um, but yeah, we, we getting back into it. We had a, a four game stretch on the road. That was a, a little rough, but we, we back. All right. So before we get into the podcast, just want to give a quick shout out to our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Twitter at the Three Rings Podcast. We also have a YouTube channel. You can find us there at the Three Rings Podcast. We're trying to post more content on them for you guys, for all the fans. So appreciate the support. But anyway, so back to the Pistons. So these last couple of games or this last stretch going back to the starting with the West uh, Western Conference road trip, they've been quite competitive. You know, this year, the team, they were getting blown out. They got they got obliterated. They lost to the Bulls by, I believe, 46 points. And there have been a lot of times where Fans started to complain, you know, I like last year's team better. I like, you know, last year's team was more competitive. But um, this year now, though, they've kind of hit their stride. They're they're not winning by any means, although they did beat Sacramento. But in this, in this year, they're playing close games. The team is actually younger this year. So keep in mind that um, last year's team had DeLon Wright and Mason Plumlee, Wayne Ellington, and those vets. This team doesn't have vets. The only vets that are out there are Kojo and then Trey Lyles, who – it's only 25, but at this point is a veteran. And then Kelly Olenek sparingly. So what are you guys' thoughts on, like, the team just so far with these tough losses? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important that Kelly Olenek is back um, because they do need that four, five kind of player to be there because they're really thin. Um, obviously – when, when he was hurt, it was bad. And then with Jeremy out, it's also very thin at the four. And Trey Lyles and Stewart are really, you know, taking on the heavy workload by playing, you know, like 30 minutes each a game. Um, so I think that's, that's big. But I think the player development this year is a lot better because I think last year they were kind of just trying to, get wins here and there but I think this year they're focusing on, on a lot more on player development which has shown Killian Hayes has gotten better throughout the year Cade has really taken off and looks like a perennial all-star I mean I don't know there there's a lot uh, to look forward to and the wins and losses don't show at all but yeah Yeah, I agree um, with that intro that you have and I that this team's starting to be a little reminiscent of last year's team in that, you know, their record wasn't good. I mean, they went, what, 20 and 52 last year, of course, the 72 game season. And so it wasn't a great team by any means last year. I mean, they had the second worst record in the league. 
But you know what? They played teams very hard. And I mean, even when they were playing playoff teams in April and in late March last year, or actually, I guess it was late April and May, whatever it is, um, you know, they were in those games and they had some pretty interesting ones. So that was honestly, that has been the biggest criticism of this team is that not only are they losing games before, but they were also getting absolutely rocked in every single game. I mean, losing to the Bulls by 46 or whatever it was, the Suns by 27, the Memphis Grizzlies by 30, and Charlotte by 29. I mean, you know, you can pull up so many absolute blowout losses that they had, and it was just embarrassing, quite frankly. But they've turned it around, and I know, you know, some may say, well, it's only been five-ish games that they've kept close, but they really they look competitive in those five games. And I think it all starts with Kate Cunningham which is what we all knew at the start of the season, you know, that this season was going to be about, which is Cade and being the number one pick. But, you know, I think everyone was a little disappointed in how he started the year. And all three of us were saying, just give it time, just wait, because he's coming off an injury. He didn't have any preseason. Uh, His training camp even got cut short. So just give it time, because we all knew that eventually this thing would turn around. And that's certainly been the case. I mean, I'm telling you guys, what he's been, how, how he's been playing the last like two, three weeks, you can't argue that he hasn't been playing at the rookie of the year level. And I know, again, we'll get into that, but I think he's certifying himself right now, I think, is taking over maybe as the favorite of that award. And because of that, the Pistons are playing just so much better. And it's also impressive, keep in mind, because Jeremy Grant hasn't played a game with them for the last month now. So and, and they looked garbage at the beginning without Jeremy, but now we're starting to see them really adjust and get used to playing without him being their focal point of their offense. And I think it's also because Cade's been really producing offensively. So, yeah, I mean, listen, they look good. The fact that Kelly Olynyk has only played one game since being back because then he had the COVID protocols and so on. It's, it's just all exciting. And I think everyone has to be very opportunistic for the future. Um, and for the rest of the season, because honestly, the rest of the season is just about, you know what, maybe not even winning games, but just keep them close against good teams like they did with Denver in the last two games. Keep them close, show that you can compete. And then next year is about actually really, really winning those games. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been exciting. It's, they've looked very good. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Kay Cunningham and I guess we could just hop straight into it. Let's let's first put some perspective for those who are listening to the pod yesterday um on tuesday the pistons they lost to the denver nuggets 110 to 105 but Kay cunningham dropped a stat line of 34 points eight rebounds eight assists four blocks and two steals do you guys know the only other player that did that as a rookie the goat the goat the true goat Aiden jordan <laughs> Michael Jordan. Now I know people are going to come in the comments and be like, oh, Jalen Green. Jalen Green had 30 points too. Jalen Green had 30. Michael Jordan. Jalen Green accomplished that feat no longer than two months ago. (laughs) But, you know, it is, I mean, respect for Jalen Green. He's in a slump right now. We don't need to bring him down and put Kate up. But um, I think these last couple games, Kate Cunningham has just shown He's shown some flashes of like not even just a rookie. He looks like someone who could be like an all-star in year one. I mean, just the the way he plays the game against the Jazz and the, the last two games against Denver, 
he just controlled the pace of the game. Now, granted, there are some things which I would like to see him work on. So in the road games against the Jazz and the Nuggets, he got off to some really hot starts in the first half. But then he seems to kind of fade out in the second half and then tries to get back into it. And sometimes it works. So in the game uh, yesterday against the Nuggets, it worked. But then um, the game at the Nuggets and, and at the Jazz struggle. But, man, I mean, Cade looks so comfortable out there. First on – let's first on offense. The mid-range game is really coming for him. He's really getting comfortable. He's also getting a lot better at going to the baseline back, you know, like, I don't want to even say like back in my day, like earlier in the season, K, when he would go to the baseline, it would be kind of a, it'd be kind of trouble because it, you didn't know who to pass it to. It sometimes lead to turnovers, but now he feels like every time he goes to the baseline, he knows what he's doing. He knows the open pass. He knows what pass to make. He knows whether to finish or not. And I just feel like he's just getting more and more, you know, acclimated to the NBA, the turnovers, they're still somewhat of a problem. Like I obviously, but not every player is perfect. And I think, even the turnovers are reducing. He's becoming better, you know, seeing the court and stuff. And then you get, then you talk about the defensive end, which I think Cade is so underrated. And I mean, he's just in the right position at the right time. There was a block he had on Aaron Gordon, you know, Cade. So the Nuggets came, they took the ball, they stripped the ball from him. Any other player, if that was, if that was Josh Jackson, if that was Trey Lyles, they'd be like, oh man, they just stand there. But Cade instead comes, and gets a chase down block. The effort is there. He's stealing the ball. He's he's just doing everything. And I think, I think at this point, like it's the betting odds. I believe is Cade plus seven hundred for rookie of the year. And I think a lot of people should hop on that. I think, I think right now you could you could maybe argue Evan Mobley, but you can't tell me that. Give it like a month or two. Cade keeps playing like this. I think the rookie of the year, regardless of the Pistons record compared to the Cavaliers, like. I think I think he's a lock to win the rookie of the year. It shouldn't be a question. The Cavaliers, by the way, also have Darius Garland, by the way, and he's been amazing for them. So I think the Cavs, you can't really put all the success on Mobile. He's a great player, but I, I just think, yeah, Cade, Cade is just above everyone, I think, at this point. Let me ask you guys a question though. Has Cade, in your opinion, trying to be as you know objective as we can, obviously, has Cade passed Mobley now? Or is it still Mobley as the favorite? Like you, because okay, I'll, I'll clarify this. You might think that Cade will win the award by the end of the season, right? But what I'm saying is, has he passed Mobley as of right now? If we were, if everyone was voting today, would it be Cade passing Mobley, or is Mobley still the rookie of the year as of right now? I'm gonna say no. I don't think. I don't think so. I think if you put all the games together from how well they've played. I still think Mobley has the edge right now, but Mobley this season has not had a game like last night. Mobley, Mobley did not have a 38, eight and eight and whatever, four blocks. He hasn't put together a game like that, but I think collectively um, for the whole season, he's put together a better resume for rookie of the year, but obviously that's right now. But in a month, like you were saying, Vinayak, in a month, that, that could change. Yeah, I think right now, even despite some recency bias with that Cade performance, I think I still think right now the the advantage is still with Evan Mobley. Like Aiden said, I mean, he put this is kind of like the LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards thing where LaMelo Ball, I think, just put together like overall season, just put a better 
performance whereas Anthony Edwards really struggled now obviously I'm not comparing Kate to Anthony Edwards Anthony Edwards was actually probably one of the worst players in the league at one point and then he really stepped up his game in the second half but it's similar to that in the sense where I think Mobley's kind of put this this good this resume and he's still I mean there's still things he's doing he's going to be poised to make an all defensive team at this point and and but it what it feels though with Mobley and the only reason why I mean I'll put him above now but it kind of feels it, this is kind of a bad thing to say, but it kind of feels like he's just kind of stagnated into someone who's now I granted, I don't watch many Cavs game, but he's kind of stagnated into someone who's like a 16 and seven type of player. And it's just been, I don't know if Cavs fan, Cavs fans can probably come at us in the comments. If, if you guys are listening, it looks like it's, he's kind of been at the same playing at the same level, which is really good consistent. But I think, what Cade's been doing has been more on the on the on the premise of an of an actual like you know you can see that he's getting more and more better. I think Mobley with his skill set, he was just destined to just thrive in the NBA. I mean, you don't get seven footers that move the way that Mobley does, and I think immediately when he came to the league, he could make that impact. But I think Cade is making more and more strides and getting more comfortable. So right now it's Mobley, but I think yeah, I think you'd be dumb to say if. Cade can't win it. I think it's in it's in Cade's control. Both players control their own destiny, but I think Cade has a really good shot to win. Yeah, I ask because like when I think about this question, I think it's a tough one. Um, I think Moby's clearly been the better player for the first I don't know two two and a half months of the season, but I think Cade has the last month or two three weeks has just been quite a bit better than Mobley is my thing. So I, I think I would probably still say Mobley is the rookie of the year as of right now. I do think it's almost close enough now to the point where you could give the number one pick tie break, which would just be going to Cade for the rookie of the year, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's certainly very close. I think Pistons fans who think that it's Cade by a landslide right now, that's not the case by any means especially because you also have to understand Cleveland's been winning all these games and is in the playoffs as of right now. But man, I mean, if Cade just keeps it up, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be looking very good to certainly win that award. The only thing, so here's, here's what I'll say by the Cade. I think the only criticisms that like anybody could have of Cade this season and maybe the past few weeks specifically is really just um, maybe like, the way so and it's not a bad criticism to have by the way but he's a little over aggressive defensively um in that he really racks up a lot of unneeded fouls at times I mean there there was trying to think in the Denver game I think he had like two emotional fouls Mm -hmm. when I think it was Josh Jackson had just gotten ejected from the game actually and Cade was arguing to the refs and then in the next possession he got a foul or something like that but yeah I think that's he could get better at that but honestly that and the turnover issue, which has been a big issue. He's averaging 3.6 turnovers a game, which needs to go down. But honestly, I think those are really the only two big criticisms you could say with this game. I think everything else he's been, you know, pretty darn good because he's fixed the three-point shot. Not that it was ever an issue. I just think he had to get used to the NBA speed. So, yeah, no, I think um, I think he's looking good. If he just keeps it up, I think the Pistons or Cade will win Rookie of the Year. So we'll see. Yeah, no. But, um, yeah, getting into the next question, though, um, who has impressed you guys the most recently? 
Um, and I guess, should we not say Cade? We'll disqualify Cade from being the answer for this. Yeah, we can we can disqualify Cade. <laughs> okay, so other than Cade, who is who has impressed you the most? Okay, so for me, there's there's a lot of players that have been really picked up during this um, during this. I wouldn't say it's this. I don't. I want to call it winning streak, but during this better play, I think for me it has to be Trey Lyles. I think I've made a kind of a one eighty, a one eighty on Trey Lyles. You know, I was calling him a bum, probably one of the worst players to play in the NBA. He pump fakes. He does all this stuff, but you know he's really improved. In fact, um, so James Edwards, who we were fortunate enough to have on yes on our last show, wrote it on the pod. Yep, on our on our pod wrote a um, wrote an article about Trey Lyles and uh, like his whole like whole mindset and how you know he's overthinking a lot and that's probably why like you know he was pump taking so much. But I think recently you can kind of see kind of the correlation like as his mental health probably got better, he's gotten better. You don't see him pump faking as much. He's much more decisive. You know, he's driving to the basket. He's honestly a really good five. I know like. I know fans will come and say, you know, he doesn't get rebound, doesn't play good defense. And I that those are fair complaints. And I'm I'm not gonna argue against that. But I think Trey Lyles has proved to all of us Pistons fans that he's more than just like uh end of rotation, end of rotation bench guy. I mean, he's been the player for the Pistons that's been outside of K, probably one of the more consistent guys getting like 12 points off the bench. Sometimes in the one game against the Magic, he had like 18. Like he's he's definitely a guy who I think the Pistons shouldn't necessarily shouldn't necessarily uh I was gonna say build around but that sounds terrible do not build around Trey Lyles Troy Weaver but uh he's definitely a player that the Pistons could either a consider to be in the bench and maybe if they want to when they compete keep him to run with the second unit or honestly he's kind of played himself into being a valuable trade asset now I just said I like Trey Lyles and I I respect him now I respect his game but he went from someone who had no trade value to someone who I think if in the right situation could help a contender. I think he's kind of gotten to that state. He's only 25, so I feel, or 26. I feel kind of bad for saying that, but I think I think the Pistons could use Trey Lyles as an asset to uh, acquire, whether it's a young player, whether it's uh, a Marvin Bagley. I don't think Trey Lyles gets it done, but if they need to throw in someone in the Jeremy Grant trade to entice someone, I think Trey Lyles has definitely played himself into uh, into that trade position. Yeah, and I also think Sadiq Bey is another guy who's played a lot better. Um, I think he's been a lot more efficient shooting-wise. He's been shooting, I mean, besides the Jazz game, he's been shooting around 50% from the field. And I think on the year, he was shooting less than 30 from three, which, you know, people typically associate him as a 3 and D guy. And he's been playing better um, from that standpoint. Obviously, he had that 30-point game in the win against Sacramento. So I think that's important. And I think I think Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson both have, you know, improved there. there. And Frank Jackson has seen a little bit uh, less minutes than he used to. Um, but he, I think in that role, he's been playing better. Obviously, um, he's been playing better defensively, too. He took a charge against the Nuggets the other day. That was pretty big. Um, obviously, they lost, but it helped them keep it in the keep them in the game. So I think 
just both sides of the ball um, are really improving just for the team overall. And I think just going back to the whole Cade coming full circle now about when we were talking about the draft and leading up to the draft about drafting for fit. And you can tell that just Cade will fit with any team. He could have been drafted by the Rockets. He could have been drafted by the Cavs, the Magic, anyone. But Cade can fit with any type of team, any type of style. And it's showing. And I think the the team notices that. And I think a lot of other pieces are starting to fit closer to fit better, um, including, you know, Trey Lyles, Sadiq, and the other guys we named. Yeah, I mean, I for my most impressive pick other than Cade recently, I'm going to go with a guy, I guess, who most people probably don't want to hear just because I think I know every Pistons fan is obsessed with the youth movement, the youth movement, and so on. But I'm going with my man Kojo, Corey Joseph. Okay. I think, yeah. No, I mean, listen, I think Corey Joseph has stepped up his game as of recently. Um, honestly, they won the Kings game, in my opinion, because of Corey Joseph. Um, say what you want about Cade, but once he got out or once he fouled out or whatever, it was Corey Joseph who was handling the ball and literally went on a 13-1 run um, so that the Pistons would win that game. Listen, I think Corey Joseph is better than, you know, everyone thinks. I've been saying this since last year that I think he's a solid veteran presence. I know that we all want all these 20-year-olds, but you need veteran presence is to, you know, really lead these guys and help shape these young pieces and teach them about the NBA and being a player in the NBA in general. And so I think that's what Corey Joseph does. And then on top of that, um, with in terms of on-the-court production, He's averaging 12 points a game in January, which I know is probably surprising to a lot of people, but yeah, 12 points a game, five assists and three rebounds. Those are, that's a solid stat line for Corey Joseph. And I think that's something that most of us probably wouldn't have seen coming, but yeah, he's looked, he's looked solid in my opinion. And I think the few games that they've won in January have been because of Corey Joseph, or at least being um, a big contributing factor, I guess, to those wins. So I go with Corey Joseph Another guy that I'll say quickly is Hamanu Diallo. I've been really impressed with Diallo recently. I want to see even more of him, though, because I think he – honestly, I think right now, if they just gave him the ball even more, he'd be taking another step in his game. Um, but even in the few touches that I think he's had recently, he's looked good. And I know in that Denver game, a lot of people were talking about how good he looked because the dude straight up hustles. I mean, he really – he was crashing the glass for the offensive rebounds. Um, he, he got a big time charge on, uh, Aaron Gordon at the end of that game. I mean, he, he looked good. And I think that he's certainly playing to, uh, his contract worth. I mean, you have to agree with Kojo. I mean, if you guys watch the Denver Nuggets game, you guys know at the very end of the game that Dwayne Casey just ran, ran a play for Kojo. A step back Kojo step back. three, baby. It was butter. Actually, it was. <laughs> yeah, let, hey, let me just tell a quick story, by the way. So, yeah, me and Vinayak are watching that game. And we're, and first of all, Kay got the layup to bring us to within four to 40 seconds left. And we're, dude, we're jumping. We're going crazy because also that was his 34th point. Um, and then I forget what happened on the next possession, but anyways, yeah, with 15 seconds left, they have an out of bounds or an inbounds play. 
and we're thinking, okay, this has got to be for Cade. You know, he's, he's the only one who's been playing really well this game. Like, got to be for Cade. Um, and then they go to my man, Corey Joseph. <laughs> and we're like, oh, Lord. And he hits the step back. I mean, a tough step back three. And we were like, okay. <laughs> but I feel like that's that's honestly like a great analogy for Corey Joseph's game. It's like, you know, it's not exciting. It's probably not what the fans want to see. But you know what? He gets it done from time to time, and, and you can't argue with it. No, you really can't. Corey Joseph is, has been pretty phenomenal for the team. I mean, this is stability like you mentioned. But so now with these uh, last couple of games, with Kojo now actually moving into the starting lineup or – I think soon it'll probably be Frank Jackson. I don't know what they're doing with the shooting guard. But as a result, Killian Hayes has moved to the bench. Now, that is due in part due to Killian Hayes having an injury. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the specifics. I, if I had to guess, it's the hip. Because, you know, Killian, just almost every time, he, every time he falls down, he's always grabbing the hip. He tore his labrum his rookie year, so his hip has just been messed up. But what are your guys' initial thoughts about Killian being coming off the bench for the Pistons so far and his experience? I mean, like Neil said, for how well Kojo has been playing, I don't think it really makes that much of a difference, to be honest. If Kojo's playing well, I think just giving him rest, Um, obviously you said he, he keeps grabbing his hip and if he needs rest and time to heal, um, then just give him time. Obviously, that's a that's an injury that we knew about last year, and a lot of players have had that. And you know, not not all of them recover. It's it's a tough injury, and that surgery set him back already. Um, and we don't really want any more setbacks if we want to see what his full potential can possibly be. So I think resting him could be the best decision. And obviously he's seeing limited minutes already, but in the, in the time that he's come off the bench, he's been fine. Uh, obviously he's solid defender. Uh, looked like his three point shot has not been falling as much as it was earlier. So, you know, his offensive game might have taken you know, a step back to where it was, uh, you know, you know, 10, 15 games ago. But again, like as, as long as Kojo is playing well, I think, you know, letting him heal will be the, for the best. Yeah, I mean, like you said, um, and I hate to be kind of like a Debbie Downer, but like Aiden said, a lot of players that have hip injuries, Isaiah Thomas being the most recent one that I can think of, um, simply do not come back the same. And the reason is because your hips and your groin area as an athlete is possibly the most important thing because that's your explosiveness. And so if you don't have that, you know, it's very tough to excel in any sport, you know, whether it be basketball, football, you know, whatever it is. So I I think Killian, honestly, I think this hip injury really derailed his NBA career from the start. I'm not saying it's over by any means. In fact, I'm more of a Killian believer than I think in most people. Um, but yeah, it's been tough because, you know, we've all been trying to, uh, I don't even know what the, the, the right word is, but we've been trying to justify him being in the starting lineup and saying, oh, you know what? He had eight points this game and those eight points look nice or whatever, but like, let's be honest, he's, he was a seventh overall pick. He's got to start living up to it. 
And so I think this is something that was bound to happen. I know that a lot of people are saying it was because of the injury. And, and you know what it probably is because Dwayne Casey's very stubborn about his lineup changes. But I think that it's something that needed to happen. And I think Killian, I think already we're starting to see him get more comfortable with that second unit. And hopefully he'll start, you know, getting more aggressive. I mean, I've already seen it a little bit. He's taken a few more shots than I think he would have in a starting role. So I think it's good for him, his game and his development. Um, and I, it's definitely something that I think was needed because to be honest, it just, it wasn't really going anywhere. And I also do think that it was hindering Cade a little bit too. So I think it's a good thing and, and hopefully he develops out of it. Yeah, for me, it's like he gets to reset his career. So if I could do it over again when he was a rookie, I think he should have come off the bench to start. I did not, I, I know what Dwayne Casey was trying to do, like put him in the fire, but even before his hip injury, like I think if you pulled up the stats, you could argue he may have been the worst player, <laughs> one of the worst players in the NBA. So, I mean, it is pretty it is pretty tough for him, but I think now off the bench, he gets a chance to reset. I think Killian, though, he shows – so he shows flashes. Like, the flashes are there. There's times where he makes passes, which you're like, oh, my God, Killian, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? But then he makes a pass, and I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a, nice, that's a nice play. And there's times that – but I think he's still sometimes – he also has a little bit of Trey Lyles, maybe. I think Trey Lyles is being kind of an influence on him a little bit in the sense where he seems like he, towards the end of the shot clock, Trey Lyles' problem was pump faking and overthinking of like what to do. I think Killian Hayes is just saying, I can't do it or something. Like, I feel like there's just a confidence gap. Seems like every time the shot clock's running out, he's never looking for his own shot. Though he'll do that, that darn step back, that go between the legs, step back, and then obviously just chuck it down somewhere and then, let someone else take the shot. So I just, I wish to see Killian be more aggressive. You did mention, Neil, he has shown from time to time. Um, I believe in the game against the Raptors, which they won, he had a game, he had a, he had a layup where he, towards the end of the game, he split the defense and <clears throat> put it up. The right hand is still not there, but I mean, as long as Killian Hayes, I guess, is keep finishing. And by the way, Troy Weaver did say when he first drafted him that he's like a Goran Dragic. So, I mean, I guess you have to look at it from the developmental statement of uh, perspective of Goran Dragic. So maybe like it isn't a superstar. Maybe the most we can expect from Killen is 10 and six. And if you have a 10 and six player, that's okay. My only thing is I just hope he's better than Frank Nielakina to give them French boys, you know, just a better, <laughs> a better reputation. But um, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, off the bench is probably the right thing moving forward. And if I'm the Pistons, I would either in the draft or through trade, which we'll, we'll get into really soon, but I would start looking for a shooting guard to maybe complement a better shooting guard to complement Cade, because it looks to me from what I've seen, it, I don't think Cade can play. Cade can play with Killian, but if Cade had someone who can actually shoot the ball, which Kojo can, but someone, I guess, a little bit more athletic than Kojo, <laughs> I think that would be very beneficial for Kay Cunningham. So that gets that actually gets into our next uh, topic, which is we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about we talked about it with James when he was on our pod, Jeremy Grant, and what the market is like. We now it's kind of um, the Jeremy Grant market is kind of calmed down. You know, not many you're not hearing as many reports that could be due to the fact that they want to wait till the trade deadline. That could be to a lot of reasons, but um, what are your guys's, what are your guys' thoughts on it? Do you still think the Pistons should trade him or do you think they should actually keep him? Cause I'm seeing, 
I've been seeing more and more arguments saying that like if the trade is with Washington, for example, if you're gonna get if you're gonna get someone like Rui Hachimura or Denny Advija at that point, I don't know if I said his last name right, but if you get a player like that at that point, you might as well just keep Grant. What do you guys what do you guys think on that? I think you know, I haven't been nearly as as sure as I am now about trading Jeremy Grant because the team's showing now that they can play without him. And listen, Jeremy Grant's a great player, but I do also think that Cade's development recently in terms of scoring has also been because Jeremy Grant's been out because Cade's getting all those touches that he probably wouldn't have if Jeremy had been there. And I think that's important because, listen, he was the number one pick. You know, he's got to develop into being that franchise guy. That comes with being the number one pick. Those are the expectations. And so I just think, you know, Jeremy's injury and him being um, or not playing has sort of been a blessing in disguise in that it really has allowed Cade to develop. It's allowed Hamadou to get more, to get more minutes. It's, it's allowed Sadiq, by the way, who has been way better since Jeremy's been out. Um, you know, I think, I, I just think the team's shown now recently that they're a little bit better off possibly without him. And in terms of the future, these young guys are developing, you trade Jeremy, you can get other pieces back, maybe younger pieces that fit with the timeline, because that's also the issue with Jeremy Grant is that he doesn't really fit with the timeline. He's not that old by any means. Um, but you know, realistically Detroit's not going to be competing for a championship the next you know, two years. And Jeremy's 27 years old uh, and it will actually be turning 28 in March. And so he doesn't really fit with that timeline necessarily. And, you know, I think you might as well try to trade him right now while you have value, because like I've been saying recently, if they wait until the off season, his value will plummet because he'll be on an expiring deal. If he gets traded right now, the teams will have the bird rights and can give him, give him an extension um, which I think is something some, somewhere around like four years for 112 million or something like that, which I think a lot of teams would actually do. So, yeah, I think the value is at a peak high right now. So I think Detroit needs to just get it done because he doesn't fit with the timeline. And like I said, I think the young guys are developing without him. And yes, I understand, you know, you got to get pieces back that you really want. Um, but even guys like Denny Avdia and Rui uh, Hachimura, I think those would be solid pieces um, and even, you know, maybe necessarily picks. I'll always keep saying the Miles Turner trade idea that I've been saying, because I really like Miles Turner and I think he would fit perfectly next to Caden on Detroit. A lot of people don't agree with me and that's okay. But yeah, I think there's some solid guys that you can go out and get. Yeah. And going off that, I think Troy Weaver, isn't looking for, you know, come Monday, because that's when the trade deadline is, right? Pretty sure it's Monday. Or, no, no, the trade deadline is February 10th. In like two I'm, thinking about the, I'm thinking about soccer transfer window. That's Monday. <laughs> Different sport. Okay. Um, no. Do you think about yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo to the Pistons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ronaldo to the Pistons. But no, um. I think Troy Weaver is definitely not looking for anything like super like desperate. I think he's waiting for the right trade. And if it's not there, he won't take it. Um, but 
obviously we talk, we're talking about like contract extensions. I think extending him for like the four years or whatever, 112 million would be the worst thing in the world. Um, obviously just because that's before, or it'll overlap by like a year um, of when Cade's contract will be up. So, I mean, you're probably expecting Cade to get a shitload of money um, when when that's up. So I think if he played, if he plays well, then yeah, maybe you can dump his contract to some other team. But you know, he's in the start of his prime, so he might not be that good by the end of his contract. So he might not be the whatever. I'm not good at math. The like twenty whatever four million dollars a year they they would be paying him or whatever sorry 27 million dollars a year they'd be paying him um so yeah i think that's that's a tough one he might be willing to take a pay cut just because um he likes it here he likes Dwayne Casey he likes Troy Weaver so there there's also that aspect of it too obviously um Vinayak's big on the the Troy Weaver and uh, Dwayne Casey duo getting Jeremy Grant. Um, so if he really likes it here and wants to take a pay cut, that's fine. Um, but I think they're not really shopping him the way they did Blake, where it's like, you know, we're, wherever you want to go, buddy. And then, I mean, that didn't end up, I mean, that ended up in like a buyout, but yeah. But um. I don't know. We'll we'll see, but I'm not really keen on a trade right now. I I don't think it's gonna happen. Okay, so I so one trade I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on. This trade gained a lot of steam on Twitter. Um, Ashton, the trainer, Kate's trainer, also endorsed this deal, and um, a lot of Pistons Twitter was talking about it. It came from Jake Fisher. Now Jake Fisher. Um, I'm going to just give the rundown. He's not necessarily a reliable source. I feel like he just throws darts and some of it sticks, but he throws quite, he's been throwing quite a bit of darts about the Pistons. So it's worth discussing. So recently there's been a lot of talks about John Collins to the Pistons and, and if the Hawks, so let's not talk about the Hawks and why they would do the deal, because I don't know why, but there's been a lot more steam for a trade to send Jeremy to Atlanta for John Collins. Now, obviously we probably have to add some filler stuff, maybe, Maybe that's uh, Corey Joseph, or I don't know if they would take because they have Delon, right? Maybe like that's Josh Jackson. Maybe that's Trey Lyles. Shoot, maybe it's like even someone like Killian Hayes. What do you guys think about John Collins and his fit with Detroit? Like if the Pistons were to trade for him? I, I don't know, man. I just, my thing with John Collins is he's getting paid. He got the five-year 125 extension, which, by the way, he was mad about, which is just bizarre to me because I, I don't think he's worth that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough because I've been saying and been telling everyone, like, if you get Cade a legitimate rim attacker and rim protector, you know, that's going to be a very nice duo because I, I really think if, if Cade gets a – you know, solid big man that can run the pick and roll correctly. Um, he is going to rack up assists and do what, frankly, what Trey Young does in Atlanta, you know, and just chucking the ball up to Capella. And I guess, yeah, John Collins and just throw it down. But 
Yeah, with John Collins, dude, I just I don't know because 25 mil a year is a lot. Um and like yes, he's he's only 24 years old, but he's averaging, let's see, I'll, I'll just bring up the stat line. 17 points a game, six re or eight rebounds, um, a block, and he is actually shooting 42% from three, but that's only on like one make a game. So stats-wise, it looks nice, right? But if you've seen some Atlanta games, and I'm not saying that I've seen many, but the few that I have, I just I'm not really sure if he really fits that well into a competitive team's modern day NBA role in terms of a stretch four. Because yes, he can kind of shoot it, but he doesn't really shoot it that much, you know. And in terms of being a rim protector, he's actually defensively, he's not, he's actually kind of a liability. Um Yes, he can jump like crazy, but he, he doesn't actually get that many blocks. He's not known as being a great defender. And so I just – I don't know how that would necessarily fit for Detroit. So um, for me, I'm going to say I'd pass on it. I wouldn't mind it because, again, I do think if they can get Cade, you know, a high-flying type of big man like that, I think he'd do better. But I think they could go for better. If, if that makes sense. You know, I'd rather go for Miles Turner. Again, people can call, call me crazy for it, but I'd rather go for Miles Turner or go for Jabari Smith in the draft or so on. Well, actually, um, on Miles Turner, the Pacers are looking for young talent and a first-round pick. The Pistons have neither. <laughs> let, me, let me just say that, by the way. Let me just respond to that because I had some fans on Bleach Report uh, coming after me. Um, just because a team says – that they want a certain amount for a guy does not mean that they're going to get a certain amount for that guy. No, because let's be clear. If, if anyone remembers, if anyone's been a fan of this team for the last three, four years, you know that when the Pistons tried trading Andre Drummond, they said they wanted at least one lottery pick for Drummond. Guess what? They got one second round pick for Drummond. They, like <laughs> just because a team says that they want all this and all that doesn't mean they get it. I mean, Daryl Morey in Philadelphia has been saying, I want four first-round picks and a good young player for Ben Simmons. Nobody's given him that much. So, like, just because the team says that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And, and the point I was making, I've been making about Miles Turner is because I, I also know a lot of people say, well, why would Indiana get Jeremy Grant if they're trying to rebuild? Well, guess what? There's these things called three-team trades where Detroit trades Jeremy Grant to a contender who then trades the rebuilding pieces to Indiana for us to get Miles Turner. So I think people need to look at things a little bit more holistically in that just because a team says this and that rarely happens actually is, is the case for trades. Preach. <laughs> yep. I agree. And going back to the John Collins thing, I would pass on that too, just because I think the Pistons need a true five and he's obviously a four or five kind of, tweener guy that can that's a you know stretch four but I think they need a true five a Miles Turner-esque player um I, I had another guy in mind that I can that I just forgot Daniel, but yeah they Daniel need Gafford was that one player I like Dan Gafford a little bit but yeah um but they just need a true five um just to play above the rim play play just but just play in the paint, um, you know, not really be spread out a little bit. Like, 
on the perimeter, just play in the paint. Um, because Stewart does a lot of that dirty work, he doesn't really have that much help. Um, so I think that's important. Um, maybe if they get, maybe if they trade for Big O from from Atlanta, that would be that would be a decent deal. I don't think they would do that, but maybe if you get you know Capella, somebody like that, that would also be a good deal. I would probably accept. Um, but yeah, and also what what else were we talking about? Oh, the Miles Turner trade. I mean, yeah, three team trades are big. And I think a team like a team like Atlanta would be down to do a three team trade with uh you know Indiana and Detroit just because I think they traded their biggest asset asset, Cam Reddish. So I think if they could get they have some, you know lower level, you know, guys like Jalen Johnson, maybe um, uh, Sharif Cooper is who I'm thinking of. Maybe someone like him would be appealing to the, the Pacers in a rebuild, and then they get Jeremy Grant, and then the Pistons get Miles Turner. That could be a, a possible three-team trade that would be pretty solid, and I would like. Well, like you guys have mentioned, um, this is kind of to now segue out of Jeremy Grant. You guys have been mentioning they need a, a five. They need someone who can jump. And a lot of fans, you know, not, not as excited as we were for the 2021 draft because I think the hype around that draft class was something else. I mean, every day it was fade for Cade, fade for Cade. This class is now, um, I forgot, this is like, we're, like get a Rari for Jabari, some stuff like that, or... <laughs> <laughs> get a rari for jabari i've never heard that one i'm not i'm yeah. not or win hardly for hardy you know the, the <laughs> they're not as exciting but people are getting more and more in tune to the nba draft which is coming up there and unlike last year's draft there's a lot more big men i will say evan mobley is probably the best prospect out of the to combine the two in terms of big men but you have three solid big men um at the top of the draft and what we were going to do is we're going to do a tankathon simulation. So if you guys don't know, tank tankathon is they simulate the NBA draft lottery um, based on the current uh, seedings. And the Pistons currently have the second worst record, which means that they have a 14% chance at a um, top three pick or a 14% chance at the top at the first pick. And then a 52.1% um, chance landing at the fourth or top four pick. And then, the lowest they can drop to is six. And to be honest, is likely the position they're probably going to end up in second worst. As long as we're not, as long as Houston and OKC don't pull any funny business. I know OKC was really tanking last year, but um, all right, let's just do a simulation. Let's see what we get. And the Pistons. Okay, so this is kind of, this is a weird scenario, okay? The Pistons got the fourth pick. The Pistons got the fourth pick. So Sacramento gets the first pick then New Orleans, then Orlando, then Detroit. So I guess we could we could start with the top three and then maybe talk about Detroit. And then we could also talk about the other prospects like in the top three, the Pistons did land top three pick. But if you're Sacramento and you get the number one pick, who are you taking? I think if I'm the Kings, uh, they don't need any guards at this point. So I'm thinking probably someone like... Uh, I think they they probably go Jabari. I think they go Jabari. What do you guys what do you guys think? 
Yeah, I think Jabari fits that Bagley role that, you know, they're going to replace. And I don't I don't really think there's more to that than just, you know, replace replace Bagley with Jabari. I think that's a, a fair trade or they could go, you know, within the Duke family and get Paulo. I think either way, they're getting a guy who's a lot more versatile than Bagley. Um, it, I think Paulo probably has the best kind of handles for any big man in this draft and I think that's that's uh really important but obviously they have a handful of ball handlers with Halliburton De'Aaron Fox so maybe Jabari would be good just to be an off-ball guy I would definitely say Jabari um uh, yeah I don't I've been really high on Jabari now for the last like month or two um, and, you know, his rise has actually coincided with Auburn just shooting up in the rankings. I mean, if you guys watch or if anyone watches college basketball, you know that Auburn has just absolutely turned it on. And now they're, they got the number one ranking for the first time in school history. And that's the main reason is Jabari Smith. I mean, he has been fantastic. And the dude just he fits every single you know, bit that you would want of a lottery, you know, high draft pick or whatever he can shoot. He shoots like 43% from three in college, which is unreal considering that he's six foot 10. I mean, that's the other thing. He fits the physical uh, needs of, you know, many teams at, in terms of being a big man, but, you know, stretch four. So, you know, he's a six foot 10, 210 pound guy who, who can shoot 43% from three. He, he can find his own shot. He's very aggressive defensively. He's a very good defender. And also, um, you know, if you've seen him play, you know, he, in my opinion, he has that winning mentality. Like at the end of the games, I've seen quite a few highlights and stuff of him. He, he goes in, man. And he just, he turns it on to another level and you can see the feistiness that he has in him. So I would go Jambari. Um, I think no matter who's picking number one, it has to be Jabari Smith. I'm taking him number one over anyone now. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go into my Pistons pick then. So I think my, my big board or big the top three or whatever would be Jabari, then Paolo Bancaro, number two, I would not take Chet Holmgren, um, in the top four. That's just me. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a great NBA player. You guys, I, that's my opinion. I really don't. The dude's very, very skinny. I don't see it working out. Maybe, you know what? Maybe in the long term, if he adds the weight and things, I don't know. Cause he's actually, he's been solid at Gonzaga, but I'm not taking Chet if I'm the Pistons and I'm picking in the top four. I'm not. So, yeah, I would say it, it, for me, it goes Jabari, Paolo. Um, I like Jaden Ivey a decent amount. Um, you know, I used to say that I didn't really like him because he couldn't really shoot last year, but he's figured that out a little bit. Whether that's actually real or not, we'll see. But he reminds me a lot of John Morant, actually, in his athleticism and the way he plays because that dude is so explosive in getting by guys, and I think maybe the shooting will come with that similar to how it did for John Morant. So if I'm picking fourth, oh, man, that's tough. Then I, who, who do I assume is taken, like, off the board? Can I assume that Chet was taken? Yeah, let's say it's uh, let's say it's Jabari. And this Tankathon thing is kind of messy for those listening, but uh, for the Pistons, let's say Jabari, Chet, and Paolo are all taken. Okay, then I'm taking. Oh, uh, because Ivy, the issue with Ivy is that he takes the ball away from Kate a little bit, man. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would either go Jaden Ivey or Benedict Mathurin, who I know, Aiden, you're going to get into. So I'm going to leave that to you. That's your guy. Uh, I, I love him. He reminds me of, like, Jalen Brown. He really just has a bag. He's got handles. He can shoot. And he's got, like, raw athletic. He's got pure athleticism. He is a dude. And I really – don't watch and a lot of people really haven't really watched Arizona that much this year but when I watched him I was he just like my my eyes just like popped out I was like whoa this dude is nuts um I really yeah I I like the comp of Jalen Brown I mean I don't know if that's a little too uh too excessive but yeah he he would be my fourth pick probably I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to put him over Chet yet. I think Chet will project as a three in the league. Um, so I don't think he plays a four. He's not going to play a four or five. So um, like a KD kind of role. But uh, yeah, I think he would be the lock for my fourth pick. But I don't know. I don't know if I could take him over the, the top three. Vinayak, what do you think? For Chet, I'll just say, I'll just say this. Every single year, there's always one polarizing prospect that everyone's either split on that he's going to be a bust or he's going to be good. So LaMelo Ball, even Evan Mobley, there was a lot of split between Mobley and Jalen Green. I, I, I don't see Chet being a bust. I think, I think if the Pistons are in the top three position, they're selecting three. Chet kind of fixed, kind of checks kind of the boxes in the sense they need a center. I don't think I don't think the guards in this draft have proven enough that they are worthy for a top three selection, though. I mean, I guess, I guess if, um, like you mentioned, uh, Benedict, Benedict Mathurin or um, even someone like Johnny Davis, uh, if he starts ball, if he keeps balling out. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you say that. I'll say Johnny Davis is someone who I think if the Pistons are four or five in that spot and the big three are taken, we already kind of talked about, we didn't talk about Paolo. We can maybe talk about Paolo, but um I think Johnny Davis kind of checks the boxes in the sense where, you know, all the big men are taking, you could look at Jalen Duran, but I think at that point, you might as well say, okay, let's get this big, let's get this big guy in free agent. Let's, let's throw money. Let's throw the bag at DeAndre Ayton, or let's just get a jump. I've been saying, man, JaVel McGee, you would be nasty on this team. You'd be nice on this team, man. Like, yeah, I, I know y'all see him on the Suns. He's just, so a player like JaVel McGee would fit so well, but Johnny Davis would give the Pistons scoring in the backcourt. It'd be, to be honest, it'd be their first pick where I think they genuinely drafted a score. I don't think the Pistons have drafted someone who just scores in a really long time. Like, I'm trying to think, like, KCP was just a 3 and D guy. I think um, a lot of their other picks have just been uh, projects, have been projects, which is like Stanley Johnson, for example. Maybe it's why Pistons fans are a little bit hesitant to draft my boy Benedict because he's from Arizona because Stanley Johnson was from Arizona. But like you mentioned, he can shoot the ball. And like Stanley, although Stanley is balling out on the 10 day, I just want to say that Stanley's team is not LeBron's team, but it's another, that's another conversation for a different day. Um, yeah, I think, I think Johnny Davis. Yo, yo, can I just say for reference, Benayak <laughs> and I were watching the Lakers jazz game. Uh, it was on primetime TV or something. And at the end of because this is the game that Stanley was going crazy. I mean, he had like what 15 points that game or something. <laughs> at the end of the game, Van I was just yelling, LeBom, give the ball to Stanley. We don't want to see you. 
And, hey, it was low key facts though, because Stanley was he was getting those buckets. So yeah, I, good for him. I wouldn't say he's like balling out like now. He's probably having like six points a game, but congrats, he actually did get a. I think he got a two year contract. Like he has, or he has a team option. They signed him for the rest of the season. And they gave him a team option. But anyway, I think Johnny Davis would pair perfectly with Cade, um, a scoring backcourt. We've been talking about like potential backcourt players. For me, we've talked about Norman Powell. We talked about that with James and how he'd be a really interesting fit because he can score the ball quite well. Even another Portland player, Anthony Simons. I think, I think a scoring backcourt mate would be perfect for Cade, especially a player that can score off the ball and doesn't need the ball, which is why I, I know Johnny Davis, you kind of use the ball a lot because Wisconsin just – that's just John, it's just Johnny Davis on that team, but um, I think I think a player like Jaden Ivy would need the ball more to be a, to be more effective in the game because his game is kind of relying on the athleticism. So um, yeah, I'd go I'd go Johnny Davis. But if I'm ranking the bigs, I'm probably going Jabari. I'm going number two. Oh, uh, I think number two. I'm saying Chet. Number three. I'm saying Paulo. I've kind of. I've kind of fallen off on the Paulo train, to be honest. And we are, by the way, for those still listening, we are going to get a NBA draft um, guy, uh, NBA draft guy to come on our show and talk about these prospects in depth um, for a future episode. But I think that's where I'm leaning right now. I feel like Paulo's game, it's nice, it's clean, but it kind of, in the sense, it doesn't. I don't know about you guys, but does it remind you to Cade in a sense where it's like. I don't know. I feel like he's just, we're just getting another Cade in the sense he's not as athletic as you would like him to be. He's, this isn't related to Cade, but he sweats a lot. I don't know if that really matters, but the weight, <laughs> but the weight uh, kind of is a factor. He says you lose seven pounds, but defensively he's all right. But I think Jabari and Chet project to be better defenders and Paulo can obviously score the ball, but I don't know. I don't know. I've kind of gone low on him. What do you guys think of Paulo? No, I follow what you're saying um, because, yeah, I've started to worry about Paolo. I, he actually he was my number one pick for the first two months of the college season, I would say, uh, or actually first month or whatever. But, you know, even going into that before, I had seen all his high school highlights and everything, and I thought it was Paolo for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying, that he's not very athletic, and it's similar to Cade in that sense. And that's something that we've been talking about since the offseason – that, you know, the Pistons might have a lot of good young talent or decent young talent. None of them are very athletic other than Hamadou Diallo. And let's be honest, the ceiling on Diallo's game is not, you know, that high compared to someone like Kate. And so, yeah, I don't think Paolo is the right fit in that sense in terms of athleticism. And also, he's not a very great shooter. I think he shoots like, man, I, I don't know what the exact number is. Maybe one of you you guys can find that, but I think he shoots like 30% or something like that from three. And that's in college. Keep in mind. So he's definitely not as good as Jabari is my point. Cause I think Jabari fits perfectly on this team in that, you know, K needs to be surrounded by shooters. Jabari gives that at literally being a power forward. That is very impressive. And then on top of that, Jabari is extremely athletic. So yeah, I think Paolo's fallen off a little bit in draft stock, but I, I would take him over Chet. That's just me. Um, so I, in my opinion, I, I would still take him number two. Yeah, I still think Paulo's number two. And for a different, I, I, I don't think he fits well with K because he would be a primary ball handler. He's, he's been that at Duke. Obviously, Duke has like 
Trevor Keels at point guard, and he just got hurt, I think, though. But he he usually runs he runs you know the ball up the floor off a rebound and starts a break. Um, so I think Paulo wouldn't be the best fit for the Pistons, but obviously if you're at pick number two, you're not drafting for fit. Um, I think he does have a little bit better athleticism than Cade. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, I think he has decent athleticism. I think he has a solid mid-range game. His, like, his turnaround jumper is actually really good. Um, could be the best in this draft, um, along with Chet. I think I think Jabari is the best spot up shooter, and I think that that gives him a little bit of the edge. If you really want Cade to you know be the primary ball handler and then have him off ball, he's a really good spot up shooter. And I think physically, Paulo and Jabari. I think I think Jabari has a slight edge, but honestly it could be a wash if you give him some time to uh, develop and work with his trainer or whatever um, leading up to the draft. So, I mean, I think, I think I like Paulo a little more than both of you, but at the same time, I still, I still would probably take Jabari first, but I do think Paulo is a lot closer to, to number one than uh, both of y'all think. Okay. Well said. Well, one thing we can probably all agree on for this draft class is this class is definitely much more volatile in the sense where I feel like every every week or two, it's kind of changing who's one, two, or three. It's not like last year where it seemed like Cade was just the runaway number one, and then it should have been Mobley number two. That's what it was until Jalen Green just made some – I'm not going to get – we're not going to get into this uh, this late in the pod, but I think this class is really interesting because – I don't think you have a clear number one. I think you can make an argument for all three of them. I think you can make an argument if someone was just not believing in the bigs and someone wanted to argue that it's not a bigs league anymore, you could argue Ivy number one. I don't know. It, it's kind of a funky draft class, but there's still gems. There's still gems and talents. And hopefully Troy Weaver can get a top three pick. It'd be phenomenal to do it again. I personally, ever since we got the number one pick, think, that number one pick, it, it looked kind of easy now. Now, now we got it the first time. I think second time around, I'm not not as intimidated. But um, that's that's gonna wrap it up on my end. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Three Rings podcast for showing us support. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and our last episode. And we want to do more um, content wise. We want to do more. We want to make more Pistons content, NBA content. For all you guys on all sorts of platforms we definitely want to expand this thing um aiden and neil any final thoughts on the draft on the pistons on anything life mortgage divorce <laughs> nah i was just gonna say rari for jabari baby that's what we gotta do <laughs> apollo pushing p exactly if you are not pushing p listeners then you are not doing <laughs> you are not living right and we know for a fact Kate Cunningham is pushing P. Nikola Jokic, maybe not. But that wraps it up on this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see y'all on the next one. Peace. Sorry for Jabari.